This is the Sports Business Radio Podcast for the week of May 26th. This is not your normal podcast, however. We are including a bonus interview from our KXL local Portland show, which features Mike Golub of the Portland Trailblazers. Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. You have found the most informative hour of sports radio you'll listen to all week long on the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in this week. In segment three, the lovely Tanith Belbin, Olympic silver medalist for ice dancing, joined us in studio earlier this week. Tanith was voted ESPN's hottest female athlete for 2006. She's also done TV work for Good Morning America with the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. Right around the corner, we thought it'd be a good time to catch up with Tanith. That will happen in segment three. In segment four, Sports Sense, the luckiest guy in America this week. Kevin Pritchard, the Portland Trailblazers general manager, proud owner of the number one pick in the June NBA draft. The Blazers only had a 5.3% chance of winning the lottery, but they bucked the odds and came out on top. We'll talk to Kevin Pritchard in segment four. A couple of other notes, visit our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Email your comments and questions to info at sportsbusinessradio.com. Listen to SBR on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, you know, watching that NBA draft lottery, Milwaukee and Memphis and Boston had the best chances to win, but none of them cracked the top three. No, you got the Blazers and the Sonics. And watching it on TV, you thought that your home team just won the championship with people going crazy at the bars. Fantastic for the Blazers in the very next day. Already advertisements promoting ticket sales for next season and what a great season it could be. Yeah, we'll break that down in headlines, but they made a lot of money. When you get a Greg Oden, a Kevin Durant, a LeBron James, Tim Duncan, someone like that, for the last few years we haven't seen that marquee player. We saw Andrea Bargnani last year, uh, Andrew Bogut the year before. This year has two superstars in the draft, and when you get a superstar, it means big bucks to your team. We'll talk about that in headlines. We're also going to talk about Dallas. They got the 2011 Super Bowl. They have a stadium that's opening in 2009. It's going to seat 100,000 people, and they were awarded the Super Bowl this week. Big news for them. Well, fantastic news, and fantastic news for the city of Dallas. That always brings in a ton of money for every city that hosts the Super Bowl, and especially when you have a stadium now that seats over 100,000 people. More, more people, more money. Yeah, you're exactly right. More suites, more tickets. Uh, so it's interesting. Usually we see... Arizona, Florida, Los Angeles. Uh, those are the main sites for the Super Bowl. Looks like Dallas is in the rotation now. Lots of headlines coming up. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Don't go away. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start. At the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. 
With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know. Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, big happenings at the NBA Draft Lottery this week. The prize prospects are Greg Oden and Kevin Durant. These guys are franchise-making financial cows. Uh, The Trailblazers, Sonics, and Hawks snuck into the top three. It was the first time since 1993 that the three teams with the worst records were all pushed out of the top three picks. Nathan, Jerry West, Danny Ainge, other NBA GMs critical of the lottery process because they say, I had the worst record. I need the most help. I should have had one of the top picks. Well, that's why they call it a lottery. And, you know, Jerry West, you know, like you talked about on the blog, do teams start to, at the end of the season, lose on purpose or not try as hard so they get more ping pong balls in that lottery system? We'll have to see. But this is this is the whole purpose of it. I love watching it because it's more exciting, but it doesn't work out as well for most of the teams. The Blazers had only a 5.3% chance of getting the top pick by comparison Memphis had a 25% chance of getting the top pick. So this was really a miracle three-quarter court shot for the Blazers. Uh, now, Seattle also did very well. They got the number two pick. And, you know, Nathan, as we've talked so many times on this show, basketball in Seattle is on life support right now. Maybe this breathes a little bit of life back into saving basketball in the state of Washington. Well, I think it saved basketball both in the state of Washington. I think it saved basketball here in Portland. You know, people were just starting to come to games again, and this is enough to put people right back over the top and fill the Rose Quarter, which we haven't seen in years. So this is fantastic. Like I said in segment one, they were running ads, not even 24 hours later promoting it, and ticket sales are already through the roof. In the 23 hours following the draft lottery, the Blazers sold 2,000 season tickets. They took in $2.5 million in revenue. They've taken in about $3 million in revenue just this week. It is the best week ticket sales-wise in franchise history. Now, we've talked, if you get a superstar player, a LeBron James, a Shaquille O'Neal, a Tim Duncan, someone like that with the number one pick, it is big money, not only to the franchise value, but also ticket sales. The Cleveland Cavaliers were valued at $260 million before LeBron James. They're valued at $380 million today. They sell... Three or uh, seven thousand more season tickets between the time he came and today. That's twelve million dollars in additional revenue. That's a lot of money. Oh yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what the Blazers do and if and if this is enough to influence Seattle to stay. Now these aren't big markets. Portland and Seattle are not big markets like Boston and New York. So from these players, it's it, it's not as good for the NBA. But you look at companies like Odin was out at Nike here in Portland and the Adidas U.S. headquarters is right here in Portland. So two Pacific Northwest companies, and you have to assume that. Durant and Odin are probably going to sign with one of those two companies. The other thing this means is that these two franchises become relevant again. They're going to be on national TV more. Uh, I would assume that Odin and Durant jerseys are going to be hot selling items next year. So it's going to be cool to like the Blazers and the Sonics again. We'll keep our eyes on this. Our next headline, this is big news. 
NFL owners awarded the 2011 Super Bowl to North Texas with the game to be played in the new $650 million stadium in Arlington. Now, this stadium, Nathan, seats over 100,000 people. That's 23,000 seats more than Indianapolis and Arizona, who also bid on the 2011 Super Bowl. Well, yeah, and if you've seen pictures of this stadium, you understand why. I compare it to the stadiums you see as soccer stadiums in Europe that are just gigantic. And for the Super Bowl or even Dallas home games, I do not see a problem selling out the stadium, even though it's well over 100,000 people. Yeah, I mean, just for the Super Bowl, uh, they're going to bring in an additional 25 to 30 million million dollars as opposed to if they held it in Indianapolis or in Arizona. So, you know, the Super Bowl rotation has always been Florida, California, Arizona, sunny spots. Obviously, we've seen the Houstons and and the Jacksonvilles thrown in, the Detroits thrown in, but Dallas is now going to be in that rotation. And, you know, with more seats than anyone else, you've got to think they're going to be a prime location for the Super Bowl for years to come. Well, sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just like we've seen with other stadiums. got the retractable dome, so good weather or bad weather, you're going to have football. Our next headline, the Yankees are going to revisit the possibility of terminating Jason Giambi's deal if it's determined that he used illegal drugs. Now, he made statements to USA Today recently and talked about drug use, and he said that stuff. He didn't say drugs. He didn't say steroids, amphetamines, human growth hormone. But he was called to the principal's office this week to meet with Commissioner Bud Selig If the Yankees can find a loophole out of the $120 million deal that Giambi signed in 2001, there's still $42 million left on that deal, they might try and do it. Well, yeah, and I don't blame the Yankees, but I am sympathetic towards Giambi. He's one of the few players who was outed and did say stuff, but at least he alluded to the fact that he did take something to enhance his physique. And, you know, we see there's so many other players out there, and I won't name names, who have not been outed yet or who haven't admitted to it. So I kind of feel sympathetic. Giambi is kind of back on the right track and now he's going to get dumped maybe it was a bad week for the Yankees Carl Pavano signed to a four-year 40 million dollar contract a few years ago his career as a Yankee is done he needs Tommy John surgery he only pitched a handful of games that was a horrible investment by Brian Cashman and the Yankees hindsight's 2020 but man I love I'm sure they'd love to have that money back our next headline the Indianapolis 500 is Sunday Danica Patrick Boy, is this the time she's going to finally break through and win a race and, and earn those endorsement dollars? Well, I think that Bobby Corser, our producer, would agree with me as the resident race expert. But Danica Patrick has to win because people like yourself, myself, and, and even diehard race fans have started to forget about Danica Patrick. She's got so much going on outside of racing that she really needs to win a race to kind of stay in that public image. You know, the other thing is I don't hear a buzz about the Indy 500. No one's really talking about it. I'm not reading that much about it. I think it's really lost its luster even more so in the last few years than ever before. Our next headline. This was a weird one, Nathan. Last Saturday, one of the most exciting NHL games of the year. Yes, that's me, Brian Berger, the NHL basher, saying an exciting NHL game. Eastern Conference Finals, deciding game between the Ottawa Senators and Buffalo Sabres in overtime. NBC cuts away from the game. Like the Heidi game. Yeah, goes to the pre-race coverage of the Preakness. That tells you how irrelevant the NHL has become. The most exciting game of the year, and NBC cuts away for pre-race coverage of the Preakness. You know what tells me that that's irrelevant as well? You didn't hear anything about it. There weren't people calling in, busting NBC's lines. no one complained. Nobody was complaining. Nobody cared. And the Preakness is such a vital race for the Triple Crown.
Our next headline, NASCAR is going to implement full usage of the car of tomorrow for the 2008 season. That's a year earlier than previously planned, according to the Associated Press this week. Nathan, this is interesting. People like Dale Earnhardt Jr. have been very critical about the car of tomorrow. But NASCAR makes a decision this week. Hey, we're going to bring this thing on board a year early. Interesting. Well, it is interesting. It's interesting to note who else is is complaining about this car. Because is NASCAR doing this for the good of all the drivers or for the good of us, the viewer, and NASCAR as a whole? So it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Now, Toyota seems to be uh, in line to benefit from this the most. They make most of these cars of tomorrow. So uh, they're probably pretty happy about this. But again, they're going to have to fast track things because it's going to be taking place a year earlier. Our last headline of the week, Nike and Foot Locker have teamed up in the name of basketball. The companies are going to be opening 50 new standalone stores with a basketball theme. And the stores are going to be called the House of Hoops by Foot Locker. They're going to open across the country over the next three years. And the House of Hoops are going to offer Nike, Jordan, and Converse basketball shoes plus apparel and equipment. Their first store is going to open next year in New York, Nathan. Well, you know, I don't know that they necessarily need to do this. It seems to me like people are already going to Foot Locker. They're already going to Champs. They're already going to all those stores to buy those shoes anyway. And why just associate yourself with just one business? You're probably not going to make your other retailers very happy by just pigeonholing yourself like that. And I don't really see it doing much for business. Well, and I think it's really interesting that basically Foot Locker has kind of made this exclusive deal with Nike, Jordan, Converse, the Nike subsidiaries, uh, and, you know, Adidas and uh, Reebok and those places, they can't, I don't know if they can sell their shoes in there. It doesn't sound like it. Well, plus, I mean, New York, don't they already have an exclusive store? I think it's called Nike Town, and people can probably go there and buy it for exactly the same price. So what is going to, what's the incentive for people to go and buy it at Foot Locker? Right, and more and more people are buying shoes online. Coming up next, figure skater Tannis Belbin. She was ESPN's 2006 hottest female athlete. She won silver in Torino. She'll be skating in 2010 in Vancouver. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I'm joined in studio by Tanith Belbin, Olympic silver medalist, figure skater for ice dancing. She's part of the Belbin and Augusto ice dancing duo. Tanith was uh, gracious enough to join us last July on the show. We've uh, eagerly uh, followed her career. Tanith, uh, thanks for joining us in studio. I was just saying, three years I've been doing this show. This is about the third time that we've actually had someone in studio. Uh, thanks for dropping in. Absolutely. My pleasure. So last time we caught up with you in July, uh, we talked about your, your TV career. You had done some work for Good Morning America. Uh, it seems like you enjoy doing TV work. Maybe that's uh, a career for you after your skating days are over. What's the latest with your TV career? That is still the plan. Um, Good Morning America kind of gave me an unexpected taste of a life that I probably 
would be interested in pursuing after skating. And um, since then, I've continued pursuing any broadcasting opportunities that I could. I did some more work with GMA throughout the fall. And once the traveling and the competitive season picked up, I really couldn't continue the commute to New York and trying to keep up with the live news um, that they have. So I'm going to start working with Fox 2 News in Detroit in July, and hopefully that'll allow me to still train while continuing on that path as well. So, I mean, talking about TV, it's so different than figure skating. Last time we were on, I think I asked you uh, whether you get more nervous performing or more nervous behind the camera. Do you still really enjoy TV, it sounds like? I do, and it's still more nerve-wracking at this point. Um, I love it. I think that just doing something new is, is great for me. I've been skating since I was two and a half. And it's really all that I've ever known. So um, it's something that I'm interested in continuing. And it's just a good challenge for me. I like to kind of throw myself into new waters and see what happens. And then I assume that if, you know, the networks came calling, you're going to be on uh, independent TV in Detroit. But if, you know, a network, a Good Morning America, Today Show, Entertainment Tonight, someone like that offered you a position, that's something you'd probably be interested in. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that a lot of those big news shows and a lot of the big morning shows like the Today Show, Good Morning America, have dozens of correspondents, people that are popping up in there all the time. So now that actually NBC um, just purchased the contract to be broadcasting skating, whereas it had been ABC for a really long time. So, you know, maybe the Today Show will become more interested in stuff like that. So I'm always kind of keeping my ears open and trying to get my foot in the door in that field. Let's talk about that for a minute. That's something I was going to ask you about anyways. Uh, ABC had been a longtime partner for U.S. figure skating. Now NBC is the partner. It sounds like NBC is going to be doing some pretty smart things. A, there's going to be more live coverage, which yes. I think is great. I always thought it was a little odd that they were showing your events uh, a week or two after they actually took place. And then you're not going to be competing with NFL games and some of the other high-rated things that, you know, quite frankly, are, are hard for figure skating to compete against. What are your thoughts on the new deal with NBC? I think it's fantastic. I mean, skating needs a change, period. So any change is good. I think that, like you said, the time slots are much better better. Um, it's it's kind of silly to be showing our events one or two weeks after the fact because people who really are following the sport, who want to know the results, go online, find it there, see it on YouTube before it ever hits the air. So this way, you know, if you don't have an option of watching a, a live game or taped skating, you can see live skating and I think that's really great for us. And I think that skating just needs to kind of change its image, banish some of the stereotypes that people expect to see, and I think that maybe NBC has some good ideas, and they're willing to help us revamp the image of our sport, so I think it's all a good thing. What are some of the stereotypes that you think uh, people have of, of figure skating? I think that... Um, People don't necessarily still don't consider it altogether a sport. Half the time people think that it's all frilly and it's all sequins and Blades of Glory spoof and things <laughs> like that. I mean, we could kick out the kiss and cry, get rid of the classical music, and there would be a whole new image to it. So I think that it just has a lot to offer. It's a lot more challenging, a lot more physical and aggressive than it's portrayed. And um, little tweaking, I think, could make a big difference. I've got to ask you, you mentioned Blades of Glory as a, as a pro figure skater. Did you see the movie? And if so, what did you think of it? I have seen it. And I thought it was funny. I laughed at it. Uh, skating is a funny world. The characters that we have behind the scenes are uh, very entertaining. And I think that it could have been even more funny had it been a reality show or <laughs> behind the scenes documentary of skating as it really is, because it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing to observe. And um, I thought the movie was well done. You know, we laugh at ourselves and it's good to poke fun at yourself sometimes. So it's nice not to see it taken too seriously. 
Now, let me ask you about endorsement deals. Uh, you and Ben got some great endorsement deals after winning uh, the silver medal. You, uh, when, we were on, when you were on before, we talked about your deal with Johnson & Johnson, with Speedo. Do you still have those deals, and do you have any new ones that uh, you can talk about? We do. Um, we still work with AccuView, and uh, we're actually beginning to work with them now on heading over to the Summer Olympics as correspondents, uh, Ben and myself. Uh, the Speedo sort of expired. I guess they were interested in maybe making a figure skating sportswear line that they decided not to pursue. So our role in that kind of didn't seem to make sense any longer. But I think that obviously the Olympics and the Olympic cycle is what really draws in the major sponsors. And, you know, you guys are obviously business savvy. You know that these things start years in advance. So you can be sure that we're already in talks with different companies. And as many of the returning athletes are trying to kind of get those endorsements going and, and the talks are happening. I was going to say, you know, because figure skating isn't the NFL or, you know, a big sport with a, a big spotlight on it, your representation probably has to work that much harder to try and secure these types of deals for you. Sure, sure. And skating also, I think the figure skaters have a difficult time getting their personalities out there. I think that a lot of professional athletes, um, for one reason or another, just are more out there as personalities. People are more familiar with them, with their egos, with their activities. And I think that skaters are just a lot more polite. They're a lot less outspoken in their interviews and things like that. And we kind of just get glazed over as one um, generalized character. And I think that uh, skaters are, are very have great personalities. They're great for endorsements, and people just don't know it yet. So we have um, a lot to offer, and I think that uh, the attention that at least ice dancing got in the last Olympic Games is going to carry over to these ones, and hopefully it'll help us. You know, it's interesting you make that point because I've always said about Major League Baseball players, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, one of the tough things about getting to know them and their personality is they wear helmets or they wear hats. Right. You wear amazing costumes and outfits, and you have some charisma out there with Ben. I would think that that would be one of the things that would work to your advantage. It does, and it, I mean, that absolutely helps. Our image is, is very helpful. You know, skaters are attractive people, and, and it's our job to look attractive and, and appeasing to the eye. So I think that that's helpful. But at the same time, we're also judged by individuals. And so when we do our interviews and when we go out there, we have to please them. And it's difficult to always be worried about what you say and how you say it, whereas I think professional athletes can say what they, what's on their mind. They say exactly what they want, and when they're disappointed, even with members of their own team, they speak up. And for us, you know, you never want to say the wrong thing. You never want to offend anyone, and you're always just trying to be politically correct. My guest is Tanith Belbin. She's joining me in studio, Olympic silver medalist figure skater for ice dancing. You're part of the Champions on Ice tour, and I just learned uh, a few minutes ago that the Champions on Ice Tour was bought by AEG Live. First of all, tell us how the tour is going, if you would. The tour this year is going really well, um, and when it does come through this city, I think that um, people are going to see a great show because we're experienced this year. Uh, you're seeing it later, later on in the tour, so the group numbers are all gelled together. But it's a great show. Uh, we have the most star-studded lineup that we ever have um, in the history of the show with the most Olympic and world champions. But it's just nothing that you would expect to see from skating. For those who have, who think they know what skating looks like, Champions and Ice is something different altogether than what you see in competitions and, and on television. So it's just got variety acts and acrobats, and we have our own man-on-man team, even like in the Blades of Glory movie. But <laughs> it's all the best skaters in the world today doing the same tricks, and some that are banned from 
competitions like bat flips and things like that and we're skating to music that we like to listen to that we know the audience will get into as well like we're doing a hip-hop number my partner and I and um, Evan is doing a in excess 80s tribute thing and it's just it's a really great show totally entertaining and definitely worth coming to see Tanith we got a few minutes left talk a minute about the sacrifice I mean you get up early in the morning you've done this since you were Younger, your family has made a big sacrifice for you to have this career. I think a lot of people see the end result on TV, and they don't know all the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into the preparation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and um, Evan and I talk about this all the time, that people who try to say that this isn't a sport, you know, come see us at the end of a training day when we're cut up and bruised and bloody and sweaty and, and tell us that we're not in a sport. It's a it's a huge sacrifice, but it's such a great sport because there's no limit to it at this point. Whereas, say, for example, uh, swimming or something like that, it's been the same for decades. It's always been the same. You go from one end to the other in the same stroke that you've always done. But skating has no limit at this point. There's no cap off. It's always pushing itself. It's always evolving and changing, getting more challenging, more difficult. I think that it's a really exciting sport to be a part of and the sacrifices are worth it in the end because it's an investment in something that we believe in that we feel passionate about so hopefully it'll all pay off for us in the end what are your goals for the future i know we've got uh, the 2010 games coming up i would assume you want to be there for that beyond that uh, what's your figure skating career hold um, well, as far as a competitive career, right now my partner and I are tentatively planning on retiring from amateur competition after the 2010 Olympics. But I know from seeing other skaters going through things like that that you never really know until you're at that point what you're going to do. Um, and then after that, depending on our results, we'd want to continue skating professionally for a short time after that while we try to segue into something completely different in our lives. My partner is interested in physical therapy and myself as we talk about broadcasting. So it would be nice to be able to skate and then smoothly transition to a completely different career. You and Ben have done a lot of work for charity. You organized an event called Skate Aid a few years ago. Uh, I read all the time where you're organizing events to help other people. Talk about that for a minute if you would. Um, well, as far as our own show, we're actually going to do a reprise. We're going to do another Skate Aid this uh, Christmas. I think it's going to be uh, a day before or after Christmas. Once we nail it down, we'll put it out. But we're going to do another charity show, and that was something that just was surprisingly did very well and sold a lot of tickets. It was very, very helpful to the Red Cross, uh, the cause that we were benefiting. And um, from, from that point, we've just been doing as many – events and appearances as we can to help different charities. We, we're kind of experimenting with working with all sorts of different charities and Champions on Ice is a great outlet for us to be able to reach out to different charities that they support. We just did Figure Skating Harlem. We do a lot with Make-A-Wish and different charities and organizations but it's just, it's a good time when we're out promoting the tour to be able to meet kids and, and, and um, people involved in different charities and just see people who really love skating for the purest of reasons and totally appreciate what we do and it's good to a good way to meet new people and good people. Last question, if people want to come see you uh, skate, Champions on Ice, how do they do that? Championsonice.com. Please go get your tickets. It's a great show, and um, I think that you will not be disappointed. So come and just see what you think. Don't don't think that you know what to expect, and if you like it, then you can come back next year. Well, Tanith, I really uh, enjoyed meeting you in person. Thanks for uh, coming on Sports Business Radio again, and uh, good Absolutely. luck with everything. We'll get you on again in the future. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Kevin Pritchard. He's the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, owners of the number one pick in the June NBA draft. Kevin, quite a week for you guys. Thanks so much for making time to join us. Uh, no problem, Brian. So I've got to ask you first off, you're sitting in this room, you're all sequestered, 14 NBA executives sequestered in a room in New Jersey, you find out you've won the NBA lottery, yet you can't talk to anyone, you can't communicate, what are you doing? You know, things are going through your mind that are unbelievable, like I I, I just went through the list, the laundry list of, of people I couldn't wait to get in touch with, you know, like I'm... I'm saying, you know, I can't wait to call Paul Allen, and, I, and then I can't wait to call Nate McMillan, and then and then I can't wait to call, you know, uh, somebody else. And so I've, I'm working on my list, but, you know, then I start getting really focused. I was like, okay, if we're going one, then who goes second, third, fourth, fifth? And, you know, I'm starting to play the game, starting to play the, the chess game that needs to be played. And because we want to be active in this draft, we just don't want to sit back, do the number one pick and be done. We got four second-round picks, and we want to have some fun with it. What was Paul Allen's reaction when you talked to him on the phone? Sky high. Couldn't have been happier. Thrilled to death that he kept the team. Committed now to an unbelievable high level. And uh, right now this organization is is planted firmly, and we have a great opportunity to really, really grow and do some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's really amazing if you look back to last year's draft and all the deals you made the trades you made it was a real bold draft as bold as any I've ever seen by any NBA team and you look at the groundwork that you laid and to now be rewarded with quite frankly the good fortune of landing the number one pick you only had a 5.3 percent chance it's really uh, an amazing last year for you and for Paul Allen well you know if there are basketball gods and they're you know basketball karma um and I think we, we've exhibited some positive signs. We've changed our culture. We are not the, the, the jailblazers. We made a commitment to get as far as way we could of that. And we're committed to doing this thing the right way. We're going to not sacrifice our future. We're going to do this to where we can be successful year in, year out, and develop a formula that, uh, that hopefully we can uh, abide by and be very strict and uh, – the thing I'll tell you, Brian, and you know this, we've gone through some tough times, and now there's not a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a shining star right now, and it's it's going to be fun, and 
Brandon, LaMarcus, Jarrett, Travis uh, coming back, hopefully. Uh, you know, our young core and adding uh, the number one pick, it changes everything. Yeah, it really does. I mean, if you look at the NBA as a business, which you've got to look at it that way, um, what Greg Oden or Kevin Durant are going to mean to season ticket sales, to merchandise sales, to sponsor sales, TV ratings, I would imagine you guys are going to be on some national TV games. Now, it really does change everything, as you said. Oh, no question. Um, you know, they did a poll. I think the NBA did a poll, and they looked at Kevin Durant and uh, Greg Oden, and they compared it against existing NBA players, and they found out that those two players are in the top ten in terms of popularity. So just on the popularity, it's huge. But, you know, I'm not into popularity. I'm into winning championships, right. and that's my job. That's what Paul Allen wants me to focus in on. And there are two guys that uh, are in this draft that are special players. But I do believe that there's a lot of really, really talented players in this draft. My guest is Portland Trailblazers general manager Kevin Pritchard. He is the proud owner of the number one pick in the June NBA draft. Okay, Kevin, let's talk about your job. It's pretty well established that Greg Oden, Kevin Durant, top two picks. What does your schedule look like between now and draft time? What are you and your team working on to make the best decision on draft night? You know, I, I put a lot of credence and emphasis on the of the uh, the process of the um, the draft. You know, we've looked at these players. We've drilled down deep. We've we've done our intel work. We've done our quantitative analysis. We've done our simulation software. Um, We've done a lot of those things, and thus, you know, it's the process getting through. And now it's the evaluation is done. Now we got to figure out what, like, and that's really, really important. Uh, last year, Brandon Roy said a few things to me in a, just a conversation, and I knew he was the guy. Hmm. And I'm looking for that special nugget of information that gets us over. Yeah, so it's not about, it used to be back in the olden days, it was just about bringing guys in to work out and just evaluating them off of their physical abilities. Now, like you said, it's as much a personality, a person's off-the-court demeanor as uh, it is the basketball sometimes. Well, Brian, I can't underemphasize this enough, or overemphasize this enough, excuse me, that our culture is what we're about. We're about guys that are dedicated to the team, willing to put the team first, willing to be part of this community, be a good player, be a good teammate, and work hard. And uh, I think, Nate, uh, I hope that I'm a part of that and that uh, we can continue to create this culture, this winning culture that can take us a long way. Kevin, tell me a few things. Let's start with Greg Oden. Um, what do you see when you, you look at Greg Oden? Because, again, he's a great person. I've been around him at, at some AAU events. He's a really nice kid, but obviously he's a phenomenal basketball player as well. And that's exactly what we look for. You know, we want talented kids, and we want them to put their teammates first, and he definitely does that. And he's a center, and those are hard to come by. Uh, and he's a he's a special talent. But I would tell you that Durant is just as special, has a chance to be just as impactful, and uh, expect both those guys to be in the league and on all-star teams and doing a lot of great stuff for a long time. Kevin, for people who aren't uh, intimately familiar with the process of scouting and, and being a general manager in the National Basketball Association, 
Walk us through that a little bit. I mean, you're watching hours and hours of tapes on guys. You're sending scouts all over the globe because basketball is not just about what's in the United States anymore. It's about international players as well. Can you discuss that all for a moment, if you would? Well, you know, our our process is is somewhat proprietary um, in my mind. You know, every team has their way. Some teams have a file cabinet and they just stick their reports and then read them at the end of the year. I think we try to be a little bit more sophisticated. I've taken some of the things that I liked with the Spurs and tried to adapt and do things as uh, you know creatively as I could. And uh, so there's some things that, that are germane to what we're about, and that is seeing players on multiple times, creating a book of information, not just the evaluation part, but also what we call the intel part. What is the kid like? Will he fit into our culture? We fit into our ethos. And because we put so much emphasis on creating this book of information, and that garnered with uh, what we're about um, trickles down and helps us make the decision itself. It's not like we stray away from what we're about. Our our mantra, our uh, our culture, our information, information gathering it trickles down into such a, a way that sometimes the uh, the pick pops out in front of you. And I think that's really the critical thing. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot about what we're about, and uh, we're going to continue to do so. You know, Kevin, it really is about doing your homework. Uh, you said, obviously, you were with the Spurs. I'm not sure if you were there when the team selected – Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, you know, one in the second round and one at the end of the first round. Obviously, we're seeing the impact they've had on their team and what they've meant to the NBA. But if you do your homework, you can really find some nuggets uh, later in the draft. No question. Uh, I thought for a couple of years here, though, it was important to focus in on the top part of it. Right. Because we were such talent uh, depleted after losing, you know, Rashid and a couple other players that we had to really focus on the high part of the drafts and do everything we could to get up as high as we can. I still want to do that. But there are definitely nuggets down in the uh, the lower first round and in the second rounds that can be uh, very effective players. Kevin, let's talk about you for a minute. Uh, this is your first shot at being an NBA GM. Obviously, you know, you've been an integral part of the team the last few years. Personally, I'm going to tell you this. I haven't had a chance to really talk to you, but I think what you did a few years ago by stepping up and coaching this team at a real tough part of the season, uh, I think that showed your loyalty to this team, and that's why I was really pulling for you to get the general manager job. I haven't seen that kind of loyalty in pro sports in a, in a long, long time. But just talk about your chance, and, and gosh, now you've got the number one pick at the draft. You know, a lot of life is about timing, and you certainly seem to be in the right place at the right time. Well, you know, I, I, I do feel very lucky. I feel like, uh, you know, I was joked with the other night at the uh, the lottery. Uh, a couple guys said, well, man, you're an overnight success. Well, seven years ago when I'm buying jock straps at Kmart for my minor league team, didn't feel like an overnight success. Right. But uh, I'm very lucky. I have great mentors. I have people that care about me and that I care about. And... Uh, you know, we're we've come out uh, the other end of some tough times, and I'm proud, very proud, uh, to be in the trenches with who's here at the Portland Trailblazers because I know these people have been through it, 
and uh, are loyal to the organization are going to move this thing forward in a fantastic way. So when draft night rolls around, I believe it's June 28th, who's in the war room with you? Uh, Paul, Nate, the scouts, uh, Bert Cold, who's on our board, Mike Fennell, um, and we'll be watching and uh, we'll be active, Brian, you know. I get bored if I if I'm just gonna sit there and do the number one pick and that's it. How boring is that going to be? You know, I understand I, I, what you're saying. I, I just want to be active and sure. making this team the best that it can. That's that's my job. Some sometimes I'm going to be more active than others, and uh, hopefully in this draft we can get active again. We've got just a few more minutes left. Uh, let me ask you about this. Interesting that uh, Nate McMillan, one of the assistants on the U.S. Men's Olympic Basketball Team. It uh, looks like Greg Oden and Kevin Durant are going to be invited to participate in the tryouts. Uh, that's going to give Nate some real good insight with uh, Oden or Durant. Isn't that true? Oh, no question, but the draft will be a long gone before that. Sure, but I'm just saying I think it'll be a great opportunity for him, him to really yeah. build some rapport before you guys report to camp. No question. Absolutely, Brian. And uh, both those guys are really high-impact guys. They're both good guys. Uh, so we can't go wrong, but uh, we just want to make sure that uh, that if we do make the, the the tough decision, it's the right decision. Kevin, last question for you. The NBA and making a deal, we saw at the trade deadline last year, not a lot of deals made because deals these days have become as much about dollars and cents as they are about actually trading talent. What kind of an offseason do you expect to see in the NBA? I've heard you know Kevin Garnett, Sean Marion, some pretty big names mentioned. Well, I think it really starts with some of the top players and whether they get moved. Because if they don't get moved, then the domino effect doesn't start. And uh, I can't tell you that some of those big players are going to get moved. Uh, it's always easy to say, yeah, we're going to move them or we're going to go young. But it's very difficult. It's a very hard decision. And it's rough uh, going down that road. So I, I think there's some rhetoric and there's talk out there. But whether or not some things get done, I'm so sure. Well, Kevin, I know you're super busy this week. Uh, I really appreciate you making the time to catch up with us. And uh, best of luck leading up to the draft and on draft night. Thanks, Brian. Take care, buddy. You take care. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for custom fit fine clothing and personal service to match, I call my friend Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. Tom James's highly trained sales professionals like Brian Tacker come directly to your home or office, saving you valuable time. Brian plans and coordinates my wardrobe so I am perfectly attired for any situation, whether it's a TV interview, a press conference, or a fundraiser. The Tom James Company offers over 500 suit fabrics and 250 shirt fabrics, and they carry all the accessories you'll need, from belts and ties to shoes and socks. The Tom James Company has been in business for over 40 years, and 80% of their business is generated from repeat customers. Call Brian Tacker today at 503-807-7956 or find his information at sportsbusinessradio.com. Brian Tacker and the Tom James Company, the official fine clothing partner of Sports Business Radio. 
For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Crosslights. Well, Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line coach Larry Zierland made a big boo-boo this week. Zierland, 61, forwarded a pornographic email by mistake, not to his friends, but to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, as well as numerous executives around the league. Zierland had been sent the email by Steelers Director of Personnel Doug Whaley. Nathan, embarrassing. Oops. Well, we all remember Kirk Reynolds from the San Francisco 49ers. He's obviously the PR person there who forwarded on the inappropriate email to all these members of a media list. So, you know, you got to think before you forward something like that on, let alone you shouldn't forward anything like that on to begin with. Well, and I don't want to pick on the senior citizens here, but my parents are in their 60s, and when it comes to computers, they're not the biggest experts around. So if you're going to play around with something like this and get tricky and and forward something that's risque, you might want to have someone younger do it. Well, yeah, and I mean, I consider myself pretty computer savvy, and I've forwarded on not inappropriate emails, but I definitely forwarded on emails accidentally to the wrong people. So maybe you just hit the delete button and tell your friends about it. I don't know, or double-check your email addresses. See, and with everything that's gone on in the NFL this offseason between Pac-Man Jones, Chris Henry, numerous Cincinnati Bengals getting in trouble with the law, uh, dog-fighting allegations for Michael Vick. Clinton Portis comes out this week in defense of Michael Vick. And, oh, dog-fighting's not so bad. Uh, Roger Goodell had to come out and kind of clean up that mess. This is not what the NFL needs to read in the headlines. No, we'll have to see if he keeps his job or loses it. Hopefully he keeps it. Now, Nathan... Big weekend for you next weekend. Bachelor party. What's on the docket? Well, there's no inappropriate emails yeah, that right. be on the docket. You won't be getting forwarded any of those. No, there's just a little bit of golf down in Bend, Oregon. Just a nice, relaxing weekend with the guys. We're all going to grow mustaches, so that'll be kind of fun. Ooh, we'll have to take pictures of that and put it on the blog. That that could be interesting. I got a chance to get out and uh, play some golf this week. Hit my new Nike Sasquatch driver. It was terrific. I swear by it now. Go out and get one. Do yourself a favor with your golf game. Lots of thank yous, our guests, Kevin Pritchard, the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, figure skater, Tanith Belbin, she came in studio with us, that was great earlier in the week, thanks to her, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger, our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, Nike Golf, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and Brian Tacker with the Tom James Company. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand anytime you want via podcast. Just go to the newly designed sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Have a terrific week. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. We talk to the people who call the shots. This is Sports Business Radio on News Radio 750 KXL. My guest is Mike Golub. He's the Executive Vice President of Business Operations for the Portland Trailblazers. Mike, uh, what a tremendous week for you guys. Thanks for joining me. Our, our pleasure, Brian. It's been, uh, it's been a historic, epic week for uh, the Portland Trailblazer family, no doubt. It sure has. I mean, as someone who used to work there, I- I'm really excited to see What's happened? Uh, give us a little bit of insight. You know, what were you doing on Tuesday night? I know you were at the draft party, but just the, the feeling at that draft party, uh, share that with us if you would. Well, it's interesting. We had, we had a, a, a contingency plan all in place in case we got the number one or number two pick. And really? We a well-thought-out plan that we did intellectually, but we emotionally never really let ourselves 
go there. And but we had a plan in place and go to the the venue. Uh, we call the venue, a new sponsor of the Blazers, and the place was packed. And when our when our car didn't come up number six, we knew we had jumped the top three. It was pandemonium. And with each successive unveiling, it was strangers hugging strangers, people <laughs> jumping for joy, people down to their knees. It was it was a loving, and it was it was. I've been in this crazy business for a long time, and it was it was a goosebump moment for all of us. Yeah, I mean, the Blazers have a 5.3% chance. Uh, when you're watching Brandon Roy standing on the stage, it's got to just be uh, incredible when he, you know, they open that envelope and it's got the Portland Trailblazers logo on it. It was, it was pandemonium. I, I spoke to Nate McMillan later that day, and Nate was uh, at his home in Seattle, and after we got the number six pick, he was so nervous, he was watching alone, he turned the volume down on his television because he was too nervous to, to listen, <laughs> and didn't realize, because it's hard to tell without the audio, because Brandon didn't react too effusively, and so he thought we got the number three pick until, you know, moment, you know several moments after uh, the lottery did he put the volume on and realize we got number one, but it was a really special moment, and the, the joy has not subsided since. Yeah, Mike, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, I'm reading that you guys have had one of the most incredible weeks financially with season ticket sales in the history of the franchise. Uh, give our listeners just an idea as to how crazy it's been with your sales staff and the interest in this team this week. Well, after the lottery, we rushed back to the office, and every member of the sales team uh, was uh, in place on a line and the calls didn't stop until just before 2 a.m. Um, the the website crashed a couple times. Um, we had 100,000 unique visitors to a website within the first 24 hours, and the volume hasn't hasn't really subsided since we've since the lottery. We've done over 2,000 new season tickets, um, over three million dollars of of ticket revenue. Wow! And and there's no sign that the demand is letting up. So, you know, our view our view is that, you know, we had done a lot of really good things this season, uh, both on the court and off the court, and we felt that the the tide was turning and that 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 things were were moving in the right direction. And this sort of catalytic event, if you will, really turbocharged that in in, in a big way. And so, all the the, the folks who really wanted to re-embrace the Trailblazers, and um, they're coming out in full force. Let's go back to your ticket sales. I mean, I want to put this in perspective. If what I'm reading is correct, you said 2,000 season ticket sales this week. I think you did 3,000 all of last year. Is that correct? We've already seeded, we've actually already exceeded our new sales from last year. Um, only a couple teams last year exceeded the number that all year that, that we did the last 48 hours. We had, we had, many hundreds each sold even before Tuesday. So our goal is to to pass what Cleveland did when LeBron um, came to the, the Cavaliers, and they did, uh, we believe, 3,800 all in. And so we're on track for that. Um, we think that the lower bowl will be sold out fairly soon. So it, it, it is, you know, we, it, it's, we believe it's the basketball gods smiling on Portland and the Trailblazers and you know us as sports marketers and sports administrators this 
this week is sort of a dream come true, something you don't experience very often in one's career. My guest is Mike Golub. He's the executive vice president of business operations for the Portland Trailblazers. Mike, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, it looks like it's going to be either Greg Oden or Kevin Durant, unless there's some big shock that we don't know about. From a marketing standpoint, you know, we talk about when you have a chance to get a franchise player, they can become one of the faces of your franchise. You've got a few of those players already, particularly Brandon Roy, but you've got to be thinking and licking your chops at, at marketing one of these guys. I tell you, it, it is um, it is so ripe. And it's interesting, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the NBA uh, circulated uh, some research that they had conducted to, to the teams, and it was the thrust was how recognizable and, and how high on the awareness scale Durant and Odin were already, that they had surpassed all but you know one or two NFL players in awareness. And, and this was before the lottery, before they were drafted, before they even stepped on the, an NBA court. So either one of these guys are, uh, are going to be huge for us. Both are already household names. Both are going to be big stars. But, you know, the winning, winning is, 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 the, is, the, is the big issue here. And there's no better marketing than winning and winning championships. So we trust in Kevin Pritchard and his staff. And, you know, the decision is not going to be made by marketing. The decision is going to be made who can help bring a championship to Portland uh, most quickly. But, you know, this is also going to affect, uh, I would think, TV. You know, the Blazers, it's no secret the last few years haven't had a lot of games on national TV. I would think that that would change. Maybe some national endorsement deals for Durant or Odin. Uh, that also shines the spotlight on Portland. And, and I can't imagine that there's not going to be a ton of jersey sales. So, you know, those are other ways that I think it's really going to help with the Blazers' exposure, don't you think? No doubt. I think we've we, we've, we've suddenly vaulted into a national team. Uh, we will be on national television a bunch of times next year. I would be surprised if we weren't. Um, Odin or Durant's jerseys are going to be among the best sellers next year. That is inevitable. Um, they are going to do, they're going to have national deals presented to them. So the Trailblazers, I think, are going to become um, a national team, uh, much in the way that, um, you know, the Suns and the Lakers are, are now. So, um, this is a great thing for us. I think it's a great thing for the city, and we're so happy that our fans who, you know, we know suffered some real tough years the last few years. It's a great sort of joyous time for for those fans in the city of Portland who stuck with us for um, the good times and, and some of the rougher times. You know, I've got to say that the – company that probably got the deal of the century the day before the draft lottery you guys announced a pretty darn big deal with comcast you're going to be partnering on a new regional sports network comcast sportsnet northwest now they signed that deal not knowing you were going to have odin or durant that deal is looking pretty good for them right now i think yeah but it's it's, it's a good deal for all of us um we as you mentioned we entered into a 10-year um relationship with comcast sportsnet for our our cable games, and we're, we're, by virtue of that deal, we're increasing the number of games we broadcast annually from 61 to 81. We're adding weekly shows and extended pre- and post-game shows, more games in HD than ever before. And so it's, it's a perfect confluence of events. We, a new television relationship that extends the access to the Blazers and the coverage of the Blazers 
and the following day getting the rights to a marquee player. It was, it's been a heck of a week so far, and it's only Wednesday. <laughs> now, let me ask Thursday. you this. Um, 81 uh, of 82 games on TV. Do you ever worry that, hey, we're putting too many games on TV, making it too easy for people to see the team so they won't come see them in person? Or does that not enter your mind? It, you know, that's an age-old debate in sports. And there are people on both sides of that argument. Does the the high number of games make it easier for people not to attend? We have a different view, and this is a view that, that most of the new school sports marketers share, and that is every night we're on, on air, it's it's a three-hour infomercial, infomercial for Trailblazer basketball. And if you watch a great game on television and we do a good job at bringing that game to our viewers – it's hard not to get excited and want to attend. It's it's much. It's very similar to why rock bands put out albums. You listen to the album, you're going to want to go to the concert. You see a great game on television or listen to it on radio, you're going to want to see the live show. So um, we think it's a good thing for the brand. We think it just extends our reach, builds our audience, grows our fan base, and and ultimately creates more demand. Mike, will the network be available uh, for satellite subscribers, or is it exclusive to Comcast Cable? No, the the the, the intent, the absolute intent, is to uh, have our games carried by all distributors, by Dish, Directv, by the telcos, by other cable companies such as Charter and others who uh, are, are are around the state. Comcast Sportsnet's track record in other cities where they have similar networks, and that would include Philadelphia, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Sacramento, is that the games are on satellite and on, on other cable systems. So um, we, uh, we fully believe that our games will be carried everywhere they have been uh, on all distributors. And let's talk about some of the programming. I know there's going to be some Trailblazers programming on this network, but have you begun to uh, think about some of the other programming that might be on the network? I mean, it's 24-7, so you've got a lot of time to fill. Yeah. Understand that, that the program decisions uh, are Comcast Sportsnet and not necessarily the Trailblazers. We're, we're, the, you know, we're the lead programming, and we'll obviously have a voice, but it's Comcast's job to now, once they've got the deal done with us, to go out and negotiate other programming deals. And they fully expect and we fully support the effort to try to get Oregon and Oregon State and and Portland State and minor league sports and other relevant Portland, Oregon-focused sporting events beyond the Trailblazers. And that's indeed what's going to make up the network. Yes, the Trailblazers will be the largest part of it, but for the network to be truly successful, they're going to need to bring programming, and they fully intend to, that uh, really uh, represent across a, a full sample of sports that are important to sports fans uh, in the state. My guest is Mike Golub. He's the executive vice president of business operations for the Portland Trailblazers. All right, Mike, you guys are looking for a new president. Uh, I got to ask the question, how's the search going? You know, we... Um, the, the the applicants uh, have risen dramatically after Tuesday. I would say uh, so. Uh, but in all seriousness, we, um, this process we're taking very seriously and uh, want to get it right. And uh, we were down to a, we're down to a few finalists, and we expect uh, them to be in uniform 
sometime before or near when uh, our, our draft choice is in uniform. So um, it's, it's on track. We're very hopeful we're going to get someone really terrific who uh, fits with us and the city of Portland and who can help all of us uh, move this thing forward. Last question. You know, you've been on board since before last season, and I've got to commend you for the job you've done. You're rolling up your sleeves and, you know, you're going to lunch with people. You're getting out from behind your desk, coming down from the, the offices on one center court, and you're going and meeting with people in the community, business leaders and community leaders. What are you hearing from these people when you're going out and talking to them? Well, when I pick up the check at lunch, they're very appreciative. <laughs> um, no, you know, this is all about the organization connecting with uh, our community, connecting on, on many different levels. Our players getting out there and doing uh, the type of great community work that, that we're known for. It's about our broadcasters connecting. It's about us connecting with our sponsors, with our fans at every level. And having those connections be, be quality um, connections. And, and, um, and for me, it was, I thought it was really important for uh, me, relatively new to Portland and new to the Blazers, to really try to hear firsthand from um, people who uh, around the community who have their hand on the pulse of the city and the Blazers. And even before Tuesday, there's this incredibly high degree of optimism about uh, where we're heading as an organization. Uh, the kind of young man that, that now populate our roster are the kind of people that Portlanders really can connect with and um, and relate to. And, and Nate McMillan, just a tremendous individual and human being, and, and Kevin Pritchard and Todd Lewicki. So our, my sense all along is that people really, really feeling good about what we were doing as a, a team in the business, even before the lottery. And um, and obviously the, the enthusiasm that Tuesday's results have generated just, just confirm that. So... Um, but we're not going to stop. You know, this this is this is just the beginning. We've got to we've got to keep our eye on the ball. We've got to keep doing the right things. You're going to see a really, really incredibly active, unprecedentedly so, organization in the community will continue to do the right things. We know we know that even with today's results, that we've got to do our job and do things right and win people back. Our job was made a whole lot easier on Tuesday, but the job isn't done. Well, Mike, congratulations on an epic week in Portland. I wish you the best of luck as you uh, go up to the draft and with all your business dealings, and I appreciate you taking time to join me. My pleasure, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Malouf. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com. 